Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Miss Kamei Show. I am your host, Miss Kamei, and I'm broadcasting live from the entertainment capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, as you all know all too well. Uh, today, I have an amazing, amazing, just much accomplished guest on my show, Matt Packness. Matt, welcome to the Miss Kamei Show today. Thank you, Miss Kamei. How, um, how long, well, let me just say this. Um, I know you're a senior management consultant. Um, like I said, you are very accomplished. Um, you focus on lessening bullying in the workplace, and that is really the topic that I want to chat uh, about today. Um, I could easily interview you for an hour um, and, and going through your bio and reading everything that you've done. Um, you're just, you're so accomplished. Um, you've done so much in the community. You're also an author. You've compiled a book as well that we'll talk a little bit about later in the interview. Um, you have spoken publicly about being abused as a child. Um, we, we know that about you. And um, you've transcended childhood bullying and the death of your mother with teamwork and leadership. So talk about that a little bit. Explain that. What does that mean for our audience who might not, who might not understand that? Well, I, uh, my mom was diagnosed with melanoma when I was uh, about nine years old. And melanoma is a skin cancer. It's very deadly. And it was stage four. It was in her lymph system. So that's, that's pretty much a death sentence. And uh, she went in and had radical surgeries, had her lymph system removed. Uh, really changed her body, um, obviously sent our family into a tailspin. I have a sister that's four years older than me and a brother that's five years younger than me. And so, you know, neither of them was in my peer group. Uh, but, you know, my dad was extremely stressed for obvious reasons. My mom was ill. Uh, she was dependent on my, my, my family. Uh, I was nine years old. I was in the office when the doctor told her that, you know, that looks like melanoma. And if that's melanoma, you'll probably have about a year, uh, you know, no bedside manner. He was about 80 years old. My mom broke down. I don't know. I didn't know what she was breaking down about, but we all started crying. My brother, yeah. my sister and I were in the same room. Uh, we, we then went into obviously, uh, you know, it was very stressful, sort of traumatic. I don't know if you've ever seen the ACEs scores, but they're acute childhood experiences and uh, it states that if you, there are 10 of them. And I guess if you have four or more, you have a chance that your life expectancy is gonna be reduced to about 60 years old, uh, about wow. 20 years below the average. Uh, wow. I had nine, I had nine of the 10, oh but it gosh. didn't appear that way uh, to the public. And so from my about fourth grade, I, you know, I was a high functioning kid, up till about fourth grade. And then all this crazy stuff happened. Um, you know, I was obviously vulnerable. I was uh, targeted by a, a predator, a pedophile, and I was assaulted sexually uh, as a kid uh, when I was nine years old. I really didn't have anywhere to turn. My mom noticed there was something drastically wrong with my school performance and just drop off and, you know, focus. Uh, I was OCD. I was pulling my hair out you know, classic things that all reflect this. And so then um, she finally, I think after three or four years, I went to see a counselor and with that counselor who, you know, I was very fortunate because a lot of people get into that role to exploit kids. Uh, this was a very good person. And, um, you know, I was able to disclose the disclosing rules and laws were not the same. He did not have to report at the time, but 
he built me up to the point where I was able to stop. And I, I had a growth spurt, you know, by the time I was in eighth grade, I think I was maybe six feet, about 190, 200 pounds. I was pretty oh solid. I was oh, wow. wrestling. And, you know, um, and phys- you know, emotionally, he gave me uh, a lot of security, treated me like an adult, you know, spoke to me on a very uh, mature basis about a lot of different things. Um, I think mature uh, communication and dialogue is really key to a lot of a lot of these problems. Yeah, uh, and yeah, I fortunately, agree. I had exposure to that. And the other thing he did was he gave me intelligence tests, and I, I you know, I felt I was a complete idiot because I couldn't concentrate. I had all these things going on in my mind, which happens to a lot of kids that are assaulted and abused yeah. or going through trauma. And sure, sure. Uh, he actually made me take the test two or three times because I scored. I scored so highly on them. <laughs> I think he thought it was it was luck. It was, so, almost, uh, it was almost unbelievable. You scored so well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He said, "No, nah, this this doesn't this doesn't add up." So, <laughs> you know, then uh, I stabilized uh, for about a year. When I was in ninth grade, there was no abuse happening. I was a uh, I was in football, wrestling, and track uh, at a very good high school, Madison High School in New Jersey. And I, you know, then when I was a sophomore. I came under the tutelage of uh, Ted Monica, who was our head coach, who's a legend. He just passed. I was one of his eulogists. Uh, he was 91. Uh, he died in March. And just the structure, the unity, uh, the connection, the sense of uh, obligation, support, sacrifice, uh, commitment to a cause larger than myself, finding out, you know, really identifying who I was. I was a big kid. I was pretty smart, uh, pretty strong. You know, I had good feet. My mom was a great athlete. I think I may have inherited some of her agility. Um, <laughs> my dad was just a big, very forceful man. And so, you know, those things just sort of came together and um, my grades went through the roof. I think the best grade I got from fifth to ninth grade was probably a B. The lowest, lowest grade I got from 10th grade through 12th grade was probably a B plus. And, um, you know, then my senior year, uh, you know, I was captain of two of the three sports. I was captain of the track team two years. Uh, my um, mom that spring was experiencing a lot of headaches, and she went in the hospital in uh, August, and her, her body was riddled with um, melanoma. So, yeah. you know, it was yeah. just a matter of time. And we were 8-0. We were, uh, we were on a 33-game consistent win streak over my three years. Uh, and I was a sole three-year starter. And we, my sophomore year, we ended up third ranked in the state's sophomore uh, junior year, second, second ranked in the state at following poll, uh, final state poll. And then my senior year, we were the number one ranked team in the state of New Jersey. And that, that was an unheard of accomplishment. We were like Hoosiers yeah. of New Jersey football for yeah. New Jersey high school. I was one of the co-captains. We were eight and oh, and they called me in to say goodbye to my mom. She was losing consciousness. On Sunday, she died on Tuesday. She was buried on Friday. That Saturday, we had our playoff game against Orange, featuring the fast kid in the state who ended up playing in the NFL for about 12 years. Then that wow. Sunday, we had our SATs because that was the SAT day. So we had our, um, you know, college board tests uh, that Sunday morning. And then we had our traditional Thanksgiving rival, Milburn, to play on that following Thursday. So, so being a part me- of the so let me let me let me stop you there. I want to go go back a little bit 
um, because you talk about, you know, this process with your mother and getting this news about your mother and you had all of this going on in your life. Um, and you were succeeding and you were doing very well and you actually had a lot on your plate. And so how, how did, you know, how did you, how did you manage all of that? How did you manage, um, you know, the news about your mother and then at this, you know, this, this intricate time when, you know, she's, she's losing consciousness, you're called in, um, you know, to say goodbye to her and then she does pass away and then you, you know, you, you, you continue to move forward, which is what your mother would want you to, to, to have done. But how, you know, do you remember that? How did you, you know, for our audience that, that are watching, because I've lost my mother as well. And I remember that time. And I remember a year, you know, I, I mean, I don't really remember the year after she passed away. Everything is kind of What was that? How old were you, Miss May? I was well. I was well into my thirties. I was a, a oh, wrong girl at that time. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how did you? How did you? How did you manage that? How did you? Well, number one, you know, uh, I was fortunate in that I didn't have to worry about where my next meal was coming from. You know, I had I had the security of a roof over my head and a yeah. meal. My father was uh, uh, dedicated to us. Um, my father you know, obviously grew up in a, in a very difficult uh, household and a lot of those traits carried over, unfortunately, and he didn't address them. So, you know, naturally being that stressed, I think I was an easy target. I have a big, big head and uh, well, I'm a big overall. So <laughs> I grew up in my head. My head was really big when I was little and I think it was a good target. The back of it was a pretty good target for my dad. So, um, but we straightened that out, you know, like um, I was in eighth grade and this counselor gave me the emotional separation I needed. So I became a pretty high function. We have a little bit of um, technical difficulty here. So I wanna apologize for that. Um, hopefully Matt will be able to uh, unfreeze himself. He potentially, I think he's coming back. <laughs> I'm not sure what um, happened. Yeah, but are you there? I can, perfect, perfect. Okay, so let me, the last thing that we heard you uh, talk about is um, you were you were eight years old and you, uh, the counselor that you were seeing at the time, you know, uh, helped you with your um, emotional separation. Yeah, I was in eighth grade, not eight years old, in the eighth oh, grade. Okay. My, my abuse started when I was nine years old, and then it ran, uh, unfortunately, for a couple of years. And it was multifaceted. Like I said, I, I had, a, I think, eight or nine of the uh, ACEs assessment, acute childhood experiences. And so, um, you know, just addressing those, uh, getting confident, and then getting involved in sports, which gave me a family outside of the family. You know, I was, I was at school every day till six o'clock. And then I'd come home and it was pretty structured. Uh, my, my last period class in all four years of high school, I had a study hall. So I was able to get a little head on, on, on homework and things like that. But, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know, so, you know, I had a highly structured, it was a public school. Um, and then when I got my SAT scores back, my senior year, you know, my mom had passed by that mm -hmm. time, but two weeks later, uh, Harvard came to recruit me. And, um, 
you know, I went to see the guidance counselor and I go, is Harvard in the Ivy league? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, Harvard's in the Ivy league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a little bit. <laughs> so, you know, and then the rest of the Ivies came in and uh, the service academies. And then I had interest from really big division one, a programs as well. And so, you know, it was like a, it was like a complete turnaround. Unfortunately, my mom never got to see those things. I, I you know, I'd like to believe that she does know, but, um, of course, of course, she yeah. absolutely does. She absolutely yeah. does. No doubt about yeah. that. She helped me through all those things. And then, you know, my dad was lost and he got involved with, uh, my stepmother within like a month. And so that, uh, sort of disbanded our family, you know, our immediate family. Mm-hmm. And I became more independent. Uh, it was, it was a struggle, but you know, it was, it was tough. Uh, but yeah. You know, I think getting to college, I, 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 I selected a good distance. I went to Brown, which was about four hours away. I had a new team to be involved in. I got involved in, uh, you know, fraternity while I was there. Yeah, they'd actually been removed from campus. I didn't join as a freshman. I was worried, honestly, that they were going to kill somebody. They were pretty crazy. And, uh, <laughs> but I joined as a sophomore or a junior, and uh, they elected me as president when I was pledging. And we got the house back. We were the first house and Brown house back and uh, you know so getting involved in that seeing my team from high school uh, we had decent teams at Brown but they weren't championship teams they were very close and seeing that clear distinction you know with that extra level of what's really required in an exceptional group of people versus you know a team that's a success uh, you know successful but not great uh, yeah. sort of gave, yeah. me, gave me, you know, got me pretty interested in this kind of thing and then being involved in that organization. And then in high school, I was a part of, uh, I was a chair, I selected to be a chairperson of a very unique program that utilized junior, junior and senior peer leaders, counselors to address all the state mandated health requirements. And uh, so it fulfilled the state requirements, but it really utilized junior and senior leaders. And I was a chairperson of that in my senior year. And then we went around to different schools, public schools, and introduced that. So again, that was about culture. It reduced uh, dropouts. It, you know, ideally, uh, it, it reduced drug and alcohol abuse, uh, suicides, bullying, violence in the work. You know, the term violence was much more common than sure. bullying at the time. Right, but, you know, right. Bullying, it would be bullying. Uh, right. Considered more. So really, yeah. my whole life sort of geared up. And then, um, you know, I studied organization behavior at Brown with economics and a minor in architecture. Uh, my senior year, a new staff came in. They encouraged me to uh, play in the NFL. I had tryouts with the Giants and the Pats. They didn't materialize, so the staff offered me a job on there. And I, I, that was really my dream. I had been, I think, a, a teaching, teaching assistant uh, for six or seven semesters for four different classes at Brown. And I uh, loved teaching. I loved football, hadn't meant a lot to me. So it just seemed like, even though I worked on Wall Street in the summers uh, to help me pay for school, and that seemed like the natural track for people. A lot of people thought I should get my head investigated. Uh, I got into coaching. And that led to (laughs) exceptional experiences. I was, like I told you, I was offered a job at the University of Washington with Don James. This was my coaching linebackers. And then I was offered a uh, assistant offensive line coaching job with Penn State and Joe Paterno, and they were reigning national champs. So I took that nice. one. And in nice. retrospect, you know, that was the right one. Because uh, in 2011, I got a, I got an MBA. I came back. I, I never saw 
Sandusky doing anything bad, but those kids were always around. And my intuition was saying something was wrong, but when you're 24, 25 years old, and I'm not trying to make an excuse, and you're working with a national championship team and people that are, you know, almost like deified, you're like, well, there's no way that could be happening. Uh, so yeah. uh, 2011, the guy I played next to at Brown gives me a call. I'm on an international trip. I get back at about midnight, and we always teased each other. We called with prank calls saying we were – you know, I was like Pedro Martinez, the pitcher for Red Sox, or I was Bill Clinton, or, you know, you name <laughs> And his, his... Yeah, we, I do that to my sister all the time. I, um, she, she uh, goes by the name Monica at uh, <laughs> her job. And so when I call her job, I always ask, I, I always ask for Lewinsky. Is Lewinsky there? <laughs> and when she, when she jumps on the phone, you know, she answers the phone. Hi, this is Monica. And I'm like, hey, Monica, how's Bill doing? Oh, <laughs> so you, you mentioned you mentioned that you you studied organizational behavior, economics, right. minor in architecture. Right. Um, you you have facilitated corporate leadership, team building programs. You, right. like I, you know, said in your introduction, you are uh, very accomplished, um, very very much a scholar, very successful um, in in the collegiate uh, arena, and now. Um, as a grown adult um, entrepreneur and consultant, you um, you're, you've gone on to do so many things. Um, right. But why? Yeah. Like, what I want to ask you specifically um, is why bullying? Why are you why are you focused on the the topic of bullying in the workplace? Why that well, topic? Well, I was beginning to I was beginning to share how this sort of uh, Mark Twain said the two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why. So I went and got my MBA at URI and I coached. I was a head sub varsity coach and assistant offensive line coach and uh, University of Rhode Island. And I had to do an internship. And uh, I did, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a credited class, but I was creating team building programs. Being part of a team was a big factor in my resiliency. And I was primarily interested in working with at-risk youth. Okay. But uh, the beginning of the 90s, 1990s, teamwork was a buzzword. And the campus where I was working also had a, had a uh, corporate retreat center. And there were a lot of companies coming down looking for team building exercises. And the director of the campus asked me if I'd be interested in doing that. So I started doing that. And those companies started asking me to come in-house and customizing things for them. And it really revolved around team building, but also selecting, particularly in very technical organizations in the medical field and high-end manufacturing and high-tech, who with extremely high technical skills can also lead and manage. So that sort of became my expertise. While doing that, uh, I also put together a 50-hour certificate program. I was asked to put together a program like a modified MBA for Brown. It was for undergraduates, graduates, but also the local business owners. And yeah. I ran that for, for, for 12 years, and we had about 2,500 people go through that. And they asked me, a lot of those clients, big clients, international clients, asked me to come internal to work with them on upgrading the quality of their management practices. While I was so in were all those, were those Were those entities, um, were they having workplace bullying problems? That I, I wasn't asked to come in for that specific reason. I was usually asked to come in just to upgrade 
the overall consistency and quality of management. While there, and these engagements were long-term, 16, sure. 17, 18 years in retrospect, which is pretty much unheard of, but, uh, and I, I went, ended up going all around the world, people would shut the door and say, Matt, you know, and I wasn't an employee. Uh, three or four of the places asked me to become a full-time employee, and I took, took a couple of them up on it. Uh, and that's when you really see some crazy stuff. But yeah. a lot of the consulting <laughs> practices, um, they, you know, people would shut the door and say, Matt, can I share a story with you? And they would just tell me these horrific stories about these abusive managers. Uh-huh. And it was pretty consistent, you know. And in the good organizations where I would address it, and ele- I always addressed it and elevated it. When I addressed it and elevated in a good organization, that person was gone. You know, they, they had a process in place that okay. was, uh, you know, pretty much, and, and the workers knew that right. they, they, had, they could do that. In the so bad organizations. You, so you, so, so I guess bullying in the workplace was introduced to you through your consulting work um, that you were exactly. doing with these particular organizations where somebody would trust you, you know, they felt comfortable enough to come to you behind closed doors and, and say, right. hey, like this is going on. Right. And, and so that's and how it was. And my obligation to elevate that. You know, I would never right. sit on it. And then, right. you know, either the bully got it or I got it in the bad organizations. You know, I was thanks, but no thanks, Matt, you know, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you saw it, it was systemic. Now, fortunately, yeah. I think majority of my companies, uh, you know, they did not want that there, but there are a lot of, co- now I've been in over a thousand companies, you know, I've had over 10,000 engagements in my life. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot, a, there are a lot of, there are a lot of bad actors out there and it seems yeah. to be getting worse for some reason. Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, back when I was bullied in the workplace in 2014, 2015, um, I started doing research because I work in law. Um, I work in um, insurance defense litigation, personal injury uh, litigation. Mm-hmm. And so when I started researching the topic, because I, I just was like, I know this has to be illegal. Like I'm meeting all of the elements of a personal injury lawsuit Loss right. of enjoyment of life, mental distress, <laughs> mental health problems, you know, the list. It's also discriminatory. Time. It's also, yeah. they'll often do things to the person that's targeted that no one else gets. That's Correct. discrimination. You know, Correct. that's, that's Correct. Correct. So when, when I started researching the topic, I mean, I really could not find anything on on the internet about bullying in the workplace. So um, like you just said that, you know, you, it seems to be getting worse. And what I'm seeing, um, and uh, like the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, um, the nonprofit, where I'm a chair of outreach and education, um, people are becoming empowered and powerful um, to talk about their bullying in the workplace. So, you know, we're, we're advocates, we're building confidence, we're giving people a voice that can actually yep. come forward. And, you know, they're no longer afraid to say, you know, I'm being bullied at XYZ place of employment. Right. And exactly. like, I need help. <laughs> I need it to right. end. Because um, you can't but, go to HR. <laughs> correct. At, <laughs> oh, that is, yes, that is a great statement. That is a great Although statement. Although there are, there are good and decent people in HR. I don't want to stereotype everybody. Correct. But, uh, Correct. But, Correct. but often HR, I, the way I've seen it is they're the perpetrators in many cases. 
Yes. And, you know, HR, again, you know, there are decent, empathetic, very compassionate people that work in those roles, but their job, again, you know, they're hired by this company and they are told, this is what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do this, you know, you know what's going to happen. So you have people who are in, I mean, it's almost like HR professionals are somewhat bullied as well. Um, because they are told, you know, this is what your job is. This is what you're supposed to do. Their job is to protect the entity, the company. Their yeah, job I, is not to protect the the target. Their job well, is I not think to that's, protect Yeah, I think that's their interpretation. I think when I first started in the business, uh, HR was considered a bi- like bipartisan. You know, they were modern. Right. They were in the middle. They were just trying to find justice and equity. Now, usually the just and equity did uh, lean towards management. But, and everyone said, well, you know, really there, but now I think there's no pretense on the first yeah. day, a lot of HR managers will just say, this is a hire at will state. You don't correct. like it. There's the door. Right. Uh, correct. And, 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 we're and, and were you on time for work today? Because if you yeah. weren't, then you were late. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then that's a mark on your attendance record, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, that dignity, this whole dignity at workplace, which I also know you're part of. Yes, and I think yes. every state has that movement is very important. Very important. Um, yes, thank you for that. But thank the, you. But the way this is really, uh, you know, galvanized with me is I begin to say I came back from this trip to Europe and my coat, my friend who's always busting chops left a message. I picked it up at about 12 at 15 in the morning and it said, uh, Matt, I knew it was him, obviously, with his voice. He's trying to disguise his voice, but he said, Matt, this is Jerry Sandusky. I've got a problem. Can you call oh, me? No. <laughs> and I'd been out of, out of the country, so I had no idea what he was calling. So I went online and I read all the court documents and I stayed up all night. And uh, it was 24 years. You know, I had built this international business and, you know, I'd really, I'd left coaching because I was really turned off by just the, the power dynamics at Penn State. And I never saw pedophilia. I never saw sexual molestation. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But when I read that, it all fell in my lap. And I said, well, that's based on my background and my experience and exposure to them. That's what I'm really here for is to give people the awareness and the understanding and the the confidence to, so they can really identify, address, prevent, and transcend all forms of bullying, including sexual molestation of children. And I clump all those things together, workplace and the bullying Workplace bullying is the same power and control dynamic as pedophilia, as racism, as domestic violence. They all belong in the same cluster and they're all perpetrated by the same sort of weak person. And so that's, that's, you know, that's where I think we really have to go. Um, I, I'm also concerned with, you know, claiming some people I think that suffer that really sincerely want to change it appears yes. as though it's not a disease, it's a choice. But once that choice is made, it becomes a compulsion. Yes, and, yes, yes. And they often self-select to get themselves off the street because they right. know they're not safe to the community. Right. Those are what we the have, sincere ones do. The unsincere ones try to lie, you know, and make up a, yeah. make up a show. There, there are bullies. Uh, one of our board members actually works internally within organizations who have identified a bully in their workplace. And um, 
I've even consulted, um, or excuse me, I've, uh, in my webinar that I teach um, on workplace bullying, uh, one of the first activities that I have uh, my attendees take is a bullying uh, behavior profile. And it asks them about, you know, I think 15 questions about their behavior, and then they add up their score, and it tells them whether their, you know, behavior can potentially be, uh, you know, interpreted as, as a bully. And, and right. I've, I've had, you know, volunteers who volunteer, you know, to share their score. They are blown away. They are like, wow, I, you know, this is, it's like revelation to them. You know, they, they've never stopped to think that their behavior um, is being communi communicated as them being it's a bully. Because uh, bullying and narcissism go hand in hand. And often, yeah. you know, narcissists can't self-assess. Uh, and so having a kind of tool that wakes them up and will really help them change, it's got to yeah. be pretty powerful. Um, yeah. Yes, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. It is, um, it, it is an epidemic in our country, and it is claiming the lives of the American workforce, you know, us, the people that are there on the ground for doing the job. Those, yeah, I was in... I was just going to say, I was in one one company where a gentleman came in, shut the door, and he said, you know, Matt, I understand what you're trying to do here. No one's no one's tried to do this before, and you have my 100% support. Anything you need, uh, I will give it to you. Well, I ended up leaving that organization, and I'm not saying this was because I left, but after I left, he committed suicide, that, that gentleman who came and saw me. Wow. So well, it's and real. It's yeah. real. Yes. Um, we have a hashtag with uh, NWBC and DAWA, the Dignity at Work Act, um, not dying for work, hashtag not dying for work. So for those of you who are watching, uh, for those of you who want to support uh, myself, Matt, uh, the Dignity at Work Act, or the North uh, National Workplace Bullying Coalition, that is our hashtag. And we've had- Or who need help, or people that need help, right? Correct, correct. They, so there are also services there. Yes. We've, we've had some people, um, you know, comment about the hashtag, um, not dying for work. Um, and now we've added another hashtag. It's that serious because like you just said, it is that serious. The, yeah. the lives of our American workforce, um, are being claimed by bullying in the workplace. It is a yeah. fact. Um, there is, there is a lot of uh, research oh. on the topic. Um, it's definitely happening. You, back in 2017, Matt, you uh, compiled and circulated a manuscript um, that included cases and stories describing your personal academic, athletic coaching, teaching, uh, professional and consulting experiences like you've shared with us. Uh, the title of that book, it was actually published by Simon & Schuster, which is, um, you know, great accolades well, there. It was published, it was published by uh, Postel Press which is sort of an imprint or a, they, they get distributed by Simon and Schuster. Okay. So, got it. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> let, but Postel let, Press is a good, they're a good publisher too, you know, yes, but it, yes. yeah, it was, it, it was distributed by uh, Simon and Schuster. Simon and Schuster. Correct. Uh, the title of that book, how to stop abuse at work and build exceptional organizations. Uh, successful leaders aren't bullies. So why did you name your book? Successful leaders aren't bullies. Why did you name well, your book? that? Well, um, to be honest, I, I took that manuscript. It, it's a long story. Uh, 
but I've been writing that. I've been writing those cases since like '94 when I first started doing the Brown program, and we used case-based learning with all our uh, classes. And so, and even before then, you know, like I said, I worked. I I consider paternal a bully. I, you know, I, I had severe bullies that I dealt with when I was a child. So it's been an ongoing theme my whole life. Yeah. I, I submitted this manuscript and the company I, and my senior editor said she'd been in the industry for about 50 years. She said she'd never seen it. Uh, but I had a, I had a contract within a month, but they came back to me and said, can you write this book? They read all my stuff. They went on my podcast. They went on, you know, online. They, they read all my, my work. And they said, they gave me the title of the book. Say, can you write this title? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Okay. And okay. so that's how that's how that worked. How that came about. Wow. And we we talked about a second book about how do you deal with bullies in your personal life. You know that okay. I, the first book is really about work. How do you address right. workplace bullying? The second well, I know about, I know I know how you deal with bullies in your personal life. Um, you meet <laughs> you meet them you meet them out in the alley. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I can't advocate that. I can't advocate that. <laughs> Matt, um, like we we could definitely chat for, I mean, easily an hour, and we just we just don't have the time today. Um, I I'm so grateful to have connected with you. Um, like I said, you are so accomplished. Um, I'm still watching your content. Um, I know you have a blog. Um, that is that offers relief and response from abuse and bullies. And for those of you who are watching, um, you can read Matt's blog. Go to his website, uh, mattpackness.com, and his blog is at mattpackness.blogspot.com. You can connect with him uh, on uh, Facebook, yeah. on Twitter. He is on YouTube. He's on LinkedIn. If he's the only, like he's, like you said, you are the only Matt Packness around. So if you That's Google it. Matt Packness, um, and I really encourage you guys to do that. He offers a lot of tools, a lot of resources. Um, you'll find his TEDx talk, which I actually just watched yesterday, which was very informative. Um, you are a very eloquent speaker. Um, you really offer a lot of tools, a lot of resources, and a lot of help on the topic of bullying. And I'm so grateful that you're sharing your platform with us. Can we just leave the people with the five steps to help them overcome abusive relationships? Yes, let's close with that. Real, That's perfect. Real quick. Yes. The first one is um, you got to share your secrets with a licensed expert in trauma. Now, I know that may be hard to get to. But it's, it's possible. But to get those, once you get the secrets out, that's possible. Number two is to identify, if you keep a lot of stuff in, your thinking gets a little distorted. And so your cognitive distortions, those traumas and that abuse can make you look at people and things the wrong way. So you really have to clarify and separate facts from opinions in your own head. That you may have also acquired some behaviors to help you deal with that that are just getting in the way. So it's starting to choose, the fourth step is to choose healthier options, healthier behaviors in the present moment, which leads to ultimately a healthier outcome. And lastly, that would mean surrounding yourself with healthier people uh, so that you know, you're know you in a good place. And yeah. it, it's it's possible, you're looking at, I think, I'm, I'm taking a big jump here, but I'm, 
I think you're looking at two people that were able to do that. And yes. so uh, yes. I think absolutely. Absolutely. if we can help you in any way or if there's any, any of the organizations that came up that can help you, we'd, we'd be more than willing to do that. It's a good yes. movement. It's time for yes. everyone to be respected and treated with dignity. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing those five steps. I will post those down in the comments for those of you who might have missed those. I will also post comments on how you can connect with Matt across his social media platforms. And I'm also going to post that TEDx uh, YouTube video you. um, in the comments as well. So you guys can watch that. Please connect with him. Please reach out to him. He is definitely a resource, you guys. If you are being bullied in the workplace, um, if you've got some things that you really need to talk about, he is definitely somebody that you can reach out to um, to get help, like he said. Thank you so much, Matt, for your time today. I so appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. Thanks so much Thank for you, watching Mr. this May show, you guys. We will see you next week, Wednesday, same place, same time, 2 p.m., right here on Zoom. Peace. Bye, Matt. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Good seeing you.